going to hold up the podcast where we watch our favorite rom-coms and decide whether they hold up. I'm Carrie Gilbert. I'm Allison Gilbert. And this week we watched Enough Said, which I think came out in 2013. That's 2014, right. 2013. No, you had it. Don't keep going. Don't keep and adding. He died in 2013. I don't know. I know the same person wrote and directed it. I don't no. remember her name. Nicole Holofsner. I'm sure I'm pronouncing it wrong. And so I'm so sorry, Nicole. You're very talented. You made a good movie. Um, And it stars a fucking insane cast. Every female comedian over a certain age is in this movie. Literally, Jeff walked in at the point that Michaela Watkins, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, and Katherine Keener were, like, standing together at a party. And so Jeff goes... Scene. So, like, one of the first scenes, yeah. And Jeff goes, holy shit, that's a lot of really hilarious women. This I was like, movie yeah. stars Julia Louis-Dreyfus, James Gandolfini in his final role, R.I.P. James Gandolfini, um, Katherine Keener, uh tony collette in a supporting role ben kept being like whose friend is she like why is tony collette playing just like the friend and using her real accent which is like rare for tony collette finally tony collette gets to breathe and just be australian um ben falcone um -hmm. mr melissa mccarthy Mr. Melissa McCarthy, who once waited for with me outside of a stage door, we were waiting for it to for the light to go off. You can't like the, there's a light on outside a stage door when they're recording, and so technically you're supposed to wait. And then at one point he was just like, "They're not gonna fire me," and, <laughs> and was like, "Come on!" And so he snuck. And so we I got to go on stage with Ben Falcone. I mean, I was a PA there. He didn't like sneaking. I was my job to come, but I was being good and waiting for the light to go off. And he was like, "Man, fuck it, let's go." Look at that. That's my Ben Falcone story. He's left. Um. Yeah, Ben Falcone is in this. Michaela Watkins, like I said, is in this, although so very briefly. Jessica St. Clair. Also briefly, although so. Yes, um, but Julia Louis-Dreyfus was on Jessica St. Clair's podcast, which I listened to and love. And um, they became really good friends while they were filming this movie. And Julia Louis-Dreyfus kind of became like a mentor-ish for not like really cancer. you're bleeding well, out the sad part well right not at this point they didn't but at this point i think part of what like why they became close is that jessica st Clair at this point either was pregnant or had like just had a baby i think she maybe like this was the first thing she'd done since she had a baby and was like leaving her baby at home for the first time. And Julia Louis-Dreyfus has kids that are older. And so like had been doing the whole like working mom, actor, comedian thing for a while and sort of like took Jessica St. Clair under her wing and was like, look, this is how you do it. It's going to be okay. Like your kid's fine. Um, and uh, and then, yes, later down the road, they both had cancer. I think Jessica St. Clair had cancer first. Then Julia Louis-Dreyfus had cancer. And so they were, like, very much a support system for each other. Mom then. famously tweeted at Julia Louis-Dreyfus when she announced her cancer diagnosis. And mom was like, you got this, girl. Same. And I'm sure sweet. that Julia Louis-Dreyfus 
No, but it was sweet. Mom Thoughts. felt very uncomfortable. She was like, she's never going to see this. And if she does, she's going to think it's so weird. And I was like, A, she's never going to see it. And if she does, she's going to think it's sweet. You're not yeah. being like. So like a group of fun recovered from cancer biddies. Julie Louis-Dreyfus, Dreyfus, Jessica St. Clair, and Melinda Steele. Yeah, love it. One of So Jessica St. Clair's podcast is called The Deep Dive. If Particularly if you're a parent, but also just like, if you like funny women, I highly recommend it. Um, but when they had Julia Louis-Dreyfus on, so the hosts are Jessica St. Clair and June Diane Raphael, both of whom have like children under the age of 10, I guess Jessica St. Clair's daughter is probably close to 10, given that she had her right around the time this movie came out, but, um, young children and they're very much like in the zone of parenting where I am, where it's just like, this is a lot of work. And I'm good with the number of children that I have. And Julia Louis-Dreyfus's children are, you know, out of the nest. They're adults. She's like, no, keep having babies. Have more babies so I can be around babies. Like, have all the babies. Um, And they're like, nope, we're done. She's like, I'll raise them. Just have babies and I'll raise them for you. Um, there you go. Maybe yeah. Julia Louis-Dreyfus will raise your children, Carrie. Maybe. Did she get the Otis Maybe. Maybe she knows what the secret is to getting my children to go to sleep. Okay, Gary, what's this movie about? Oh, go the F to sleep. Okay, Gary, what's this movie about? This movie is not at all what I thought it was about. What did you think it was about? I just thought it was like a fun rom-com about like dating in your 50s or whatever. Like dating, dating like when you're you know, about to be empty nesters or something. So you had never seen that, which it is sort of about dating when you're, because they're both about to be empty nesters. You had never seen this before. I had, I was watching with Ben who had never seen it before. And the first 15 minutes of the movie, he was like, Catherine Keener wants to fuck Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Like this is going to turn so, this is going to turn lesbian. And I was like, stop listing your fantasy of what this movie is about. That's not what it's about. And then he was like, oh she's james gandolfini's ex-wife and i was like that right so distracted by fake lesbianism you finally got there right so julia louis dreyfus and katherine keener meet at a party they become friends julia louis dreyfus is a massage massage therapist um and starts katherine keener like hires her to massage her and then they also become friends at that same party julia louis dreyfus meets james gandolfini they start dating she really likes him but she figures out somewhere down the road that Catherine Keener's ex-husband is James Gandolfini and Catherine Keener despite having been divorced for four years loves nothing more than like talking shit about her ex-husband Catherine Keener is a full-blown narcissist in this movie yes um and Julia Louis-Dreyfus starts like nitpicking and recognizing all the things that Catherine Keener said she hates about her ex-husband and like very much gets in her own head and and is lying to everyone the whole time and is lying honestly hard to like hard to like if it were anyone but Julia Louis-Dreyfus lying to everyone the whole time nitpicking about like wants to get him a calorie book at one point yeah hard to watch truly um Um, I think the like we get like it like addresses the fact that James Gandolfini is a larger man. Like part of her irritation with him is big, not irritation, but part of like Catherine Keener's shit that like gets in Julia Louis Dreyfus' head is like his body and food. And I do think 
that this movie deals with that correctly and that it's like recognizing that her behavior around it is not cool beans and never is like he never is like I'm gonna lose weight for you you know what I mean he's just like this is what my body is right and I like to eat guacamole because it tastes good and I don't give a shit how many calories are in it and that is what the movie is propping up is like the correct answer and Julia Louis-Dreyfus is like ick on that is 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 ick yes um it's not suggesting a calorie book which first of all like is that just like old school in my fitness pal yeah probably um yeah like so she i mean she gets very much in her own head she starts kind of like picking out all the things wrong with him and allowing like Catherine keener's opinion of her ex-husband to like inform her opinion of him granted part of what's going on is like she's been through a divorce she is recognizing like all of these things are not necessarily like all the things about her ex-husband that ultimately led to the divorce were not things that like bothered her in the beginning but they came to bother her and so she's trying to figure out like well could I just stave it all off stave off like the inevitable breakup of the relationship or the marriage or whatever if I picked out all the things I hated now you know like if I could nitpick them now it's not a great it's not a great way to go into a relationship not a great philosophy no and they're both about to become empty nesters and his daughter's kind of a nightmare she's very much a nightmare yes well her mother's a narcissist the thing I get noticing about Catherine like Catherine Keener just like it was just like everything that was wrong with him and like it partially was like that he didn't she's a poet and they're like he didn't understand her poetry and like he wasn't sophisticated and it's all sort of like it's very good like subtle character writing because she does you understand why julia louis dreyfus like wants to be her friend it's all very like subtle character writing in that like over time you realize that like what she didn't like about him was how he reflected on her like he mm-hmm. he didn't seem sophisticated or you know handsome or you know thin enough like it was all these things that she felt reflected poor- poorly on her and she didn't actually dislike her personality she's just a nerd dislike his personality she's just a narcissist who wants the type of person she has decided she is worthy is worthy of being with her right yes because his character is and he is kind of like i mean like body shit aside he is not a good dresser he's like his house looks like that of a divorced single dad like he is all those things but he's also like kind and funny and um they have like he and julia louis dreyfus have like very sweet banter they make each other laugh um she says something about how at the beginning about how she even at the beginning like her ex-husband never really made her laugh and like it's very clear from the get-go of her and james gandolfini's relationship that like they find each other endearing and funny um and it's a very like james gandolfini is very you said that like the julia louis dreyfus character is hard to love except it's julia louis dreyfus whereas like james gandolfini is so iconically an abusive mobster mm-hmm. that like the speed with which and it's the writing and it's the fact that james gandolfini was one of the greatest actors of all time but the speed with which you're just like this sweet lovely man <laughs> like, yes 
it's it's he's very endearing he's very sweet he's very like i i don't think i've ever seen james gandolfini like smile and like he's very handsome when he does like i just i think this movie did a very good job of and first of all casting someone that you have to like in the movie but is so iconically an unlikable character and so like that I guess in some ways is a risky casting move, except mm-hmm. the writer director of this movie must have just been like, no, you're going to see how like truly lovely he can be. And it was really, it's sort of a nice, I mean, as much as I wish James Gandolfini died far too young. And as much as I wish like he was still around making work, there's like a nice sort of sweetness to this being his last role. Yeah. That, like he went out, his whole career is mobster and he goes out, in like a lovely sweet way and like what a gem of an actor that like he's so i mean this is a very like there's nothing both this and tony soprano are very nuanced subtle performances but in such drastically different ways right like there's nothing about either of those performances that is broad or big or over the top And yet they are like all of the subtle choices that he makes, makes them completely different human beings. He seems like he's doing nothing. Like it seems, and maybe that's the point is that it seems like he's not acting at all. Like he doesn't seem like he's doing anything. And yet it's like such a full person, full, lovely person. And same with like Tony Soprano is like, I think part of what like, is so fascinating about this character versus Tony Soprano is that like it doesn't seem like he's acting when he's playing Tony's like if you told Mm -hmm. me James Gandolfini was like an abusive murderer I'd be like yeah stands to reason I mean (laughs) yeah yeah well and also like I haven't watched the Sopranos in a long time but so correct me if I'm wrong but like he's the quiet like he's the quiet he there's like a quietness to him and the people around him are very loud like yes um carmela and meadow and everyone around him is like and he and is like all quiet. his people his all soldiers his, yes his cronies is that a word we use i don't know um but but and in that quietness he's scary because it's sort of like you don't know what you don't know what he's going to do. You don't know what's going to set him off. And he's also quiet in this and in this and in his quietness in this, there's like a safety and like the way he acts like subtle quietness in such different ways where like, mm-hmm. there's never a moment in this movie where he seems at all threatening. No, even when he's mad at her, even when he's angry at her, he is and hurt by her. He is and- all of those things, but it's just, you don't ever think he's like gonna yell or do anything bad he's just like he just or murder so her like he murdered that you know woman the prostitute right yeah uh joey's sister no spoiler alert i hadn't gotten there yet but i did know that that happened i don't I, think i've right. ever i, I honestly know that i don't happened. think i've ever gotten that far i don't know that he murders her either i just know that he does happens. i mean i think or he has her or he like orders that she be murdered i've yes. never finished the sopranos i um, should but to be honest i just finished breaking bad and i think i need a minute away from yeah murder so i'm i'm going for friday night lights where the lead man in that is just perfect yeah 
Um, what if, what if, <laughs> what if, like, so Brian Cranston and James Gandolfini, iconically men who played murderers, but apparently lovely in life. What if it comes out that, like, Kyle Chandler is like a secret murderer? <laughs> It's like the opposite. He like, played the lovely, like good dad, right. good coach, doing well, like for his town, his Texas town, but he's a secret liberal. You know what I mean? But like, then it's also like, by the way, I have been cooking meth and leading a um, uh, Jersey mop. Right. You know, what if? Um, and I'm- John Hamm is, is just is the, is just the same. He is the one who's like, I just am Don I, Draper. I am Don Draper. Um, even Don Draper wasn't Don Draper. Spoiler. I was going to say, who um, would he actually be? What was his name? I forget. I so there are. This was not my favorite movie ever. I did like it, but <laughs> there were things I that, like. I was like, Carrie, the movies we watch, I need them to be your favorites of all time. No, no. I there were things I really liked about this movie. Uh, I think on the whole, like not my favorite probably won't ever watch it again kind of like what's the writer director's name nicole holopsner yeah kind of like her other movie friends with money that was another one where i was like that was fine i'm never gonna watch it again um so insulting to this woman she's not for me rip people to shreds and we're just like she's very talented but no she is very talented. Like this is a beautifully written movie. The banter in this is fantastic. The chemistry is great. It's just not for me. But I will say every performance in this is like even the guy who I looked up his name, but he's just like you see him and you're like he's that guy, you know that guy. Who, um, who, who plays who her? Play? He plays her. Plays Julia Louis Dreyfus's ex husband and oh, the father. Couldn't of her tell you child. that man's name if. <laughs> You gave me all, if you listed like two names and you were like, it's one of them, I could not do no, it. No, but he is one of those people that I guarantee you has like 150 credits on IMDb because he's, sure. he just shows up all the time. He's like barely there. And yet he gives a fantastic performance. Like everybody's performances are really, really great. Um, I mean, led by, I think two of the greatest actors two of the greatest contemporary actors of all time yeah contemporary of all time that's not that's i did that wrong i i want to say two of our greatest living actors but james Gandolfini is dead right two of the greatest actors of our generation maybe is there you go um yeah julia louis dreyfus i mean it's absurd like how good she is kind of like this character and tony soprano being the same actor this character, Elaine Bennett and Selena Meyer, like being the same person yeah. is truly wild, like really kind of insane. Um, well, talk about somebody who all three of those, I mean, I guess like this character isn't awful. She's just this because this movie is much more grounded than Seinfeld or Veep, but like three very flawed characters. And I think like Selena Meyer and Elaine Bennett are like straight bad people. Sure. But like, you're endeared to them because she's so fucking, I hate the word likable, particularly with women, but she's so endearing. She's so charismatic. She plays them so well. And obviously like Elaine and Selena Meyer are also fucking hilarious. So that's the important part. And they're also like, they are bigger, broader characters than this character. Um, Particularly Elaine Bennett is like, you know, a very sort of like broad performance. So yeah. is Selena Meyer, but um, 
Uh, but also like most comedians are either like broad or grounded. You know what I mean? Like they do one or the other. Like you don't see a lot of like, now I can now the only thing I can think of is Steve Carell who also does both. So fuck me. Melissa my, McCarthy. Like, I like initially yes, thought of Mel- Melissa McCarthy. Melissa McCarthy is a very, although also like Melissa McCarthy, McCarthy is a very broad comedian who also can like act the shit. Maybe the answer is that's like, what I'm, that's what I thought you were saying. Oh, no, I was saying like either you're either one or the other. You're like oh. a very broad comedian or you're very grounded. But I think what probably what I'm realizing as I try and make that point is like our best comedians are our best actors. So, yes, Melissa McCarthy, uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, obviously Robin Williams, Steve Carell, like now, like the people right. who do that really broad shit can also dial it in and do something really grounded and believable. And it's because to act that kind of broadness well and in a believable way, you have to be an excellent actor. Yeah. Julia Louis-Dreyfus's character in this, Eva is her name. She had some of her own narcissism. Um, Yeah. Well, I also just think like she felt shitty about herself. Yes. And so she glommed onto this woman who she, who appeared to be very together and smart and cool and, bohemian and had a hard time seeing the forest through the trees right but there's this whole like her narcissism this whole thing about how like she gets mad at her ex-husband because he like gets more bread at dinner and they like have this whole argument about like when they were together like he'd bring home carbs or treats or sweets and like she'd get mad at him because she like couldn't not eat them and he was like well but I want to eat them. And she's, and then she's like, but you're not being respectful of like me not being able to not eat them. And it's kind of like, uh, okay, lady, like that would read less as narcissism to me and more just like, oh, like this is like the perfect written, like nine, like this is, and we're obvi- like, obviously it still exists, but like this is just how people with disordered relationships with food talk about like the, the well, normalization sure. yes. of a disordered relationship with food that like instead of being like hey if you can't have bread in front of you without binging on the whole basket that's actually like that's something you need to be working through right uh, and not like oh that's just like I can't keep bread or cookies in the house because like I think we normalize that idea of like can't have bread right. around when it in fact is indicative of like a binge restrict cycle (laughs) right yeah but I think like so honestly I just sort of was like oh I feel I I know this woman I've been this one like I it and to me I was like oh I need and it's indicative in how she talks about food and body with James Gandolfini it's like oh I just need someone to explain to her that like no you just have to eat all the bread and then you'll you just have to like refeed yourself and then you'll and stop restricting bread. And then allowing your body to have bread won't, you won't binge on it as much. And that's on intuitive eating. Yeah. It's interesting because like, I feel like James Gandolfini is like the only completely likable character in this movie. I was going to say Tony Collette, but she is the relationship with her and her maid is tough. Real tough. The only like character of color is the Latina maid and Tony Collette. Who sucks her job. (laughs) Who sucks her job and Tony Collette treats her 
terribly. But again, she's supposed to. It's not supposed to be like, look at how you're supposed to treat a maid. Like, right. Yes. It's supposed to be. It's supposed to be like that's. She also can't fire her. She like right. treats her poorly. And also the woman's bad at her job and can't fire her. And then Ben Falcone, who plays her husband, like, like won't get involved because he needs everyone to like him. Like, again, like all these character dynamics are like, yes, but also like that's people. Like people are deeply flawed. Like even the maid who is like a very one-dimensional like maid character, but even her is like, she sucks at her job. Like no one's saying she's actually good. <laughs> like she right. probably should be fired. And I think that's an interesting, like, like people are flawed. Like, I think that's the point is like yeah. all these people have flaws and Julia Louis-Dreyfus loves them anyway and they love her anyway. And yet like you're trying, she's trying to discount James Gandolfini for his flaws rather than just being like, people suck sometimes and don't other times. Like, it's not that they're all just, they're all unlikable. It's that they're all people like they're all right flawed. yeah and i think that's the point is like and yes like his flaws are like he doesn't like onions so he very annoyingly like moves them around the bowl which like would drive me fucking crazy just like make him guacamole with, like why has no one just been like can we make the guacamole without onions i don't understand like it would drive me crazy but also it's like it's a very like benign it's a very innocuous yes right or the, also like, the other have- flaw that she then she points him out on bottom him is that he can't whisper like he is physically incapable of whispering and she says i just don't get it i've never met someone who couldn't whisper and i was like that's my entire family like i don't understand <laughs> I don't how you must have ever whispered i don't know i don't know how you've never met someone who couldn't whisper because in theater school no one had to of, teach me to stage whisper because that's just what i do because <laughs> like i don't know people who can whisper so um or like that he didn't have night tables i was like i guess that is like seemingly kind of like a childish like why does the woman have to be the one to like decorate the house and get night tables but I was also like he either just like doesn't care and it's just not how we like like who like so buy him some fucking night tables who cares but also like we just don't socialize men to learn how to take care of themselves but uh, yes it was that but for me it was also like the night tables thing was this thing of like that's not a thing that matters to him right like so he's never done like so he didn't have night tables and like since he's been divorced to like he just didn't buy night tables because like it's not important to him and it's like well if it's important to you then like buy the fucking night table right it's not or, like, like, like morally opposed to night tables he's just right? like i don't think about it like right like god knows if dad was single like he motherfucker wouldn't have night tables yeah but also <laughs> like, like there a are stack put- of legal boxes that he right put but also like when jeff when jeff and i first started dating to be fair, I only had a nightstand on my side of the bed. That's I I had to rearrange my apartment. And and Jeff was like was do- Jeff was like, "Do we think do you think we could like put a nightstand on my side?" And I was like, "Yeah, okay." You know what I mean? And so I- like shit happens. I thought it like it was a very symbolic that I only had a nightstand on. I still technically do. So what I did is I moved my desk into my bedroom and my filing cabinet into my bedroom. So now my filing cabinet is the other side night table. But it was like, now you don't have to keep your water on the floor. I bought nightstands. I like bought the man a nightstand. And Jamie how early was... on in your relationship? Um, that's a good question. How early on in our relationship? Probably. I mean, to be fair, let's let's be really clear that like 
I was using like a makeshift like lamp stand as a night table. Like I needed oh. to buy nightstands for my bedroom just so like my bedroom looked like an adult bedroom. Um but it also served the purpose of like then I had a nightstand on the side that Jeff wanted and you know that oh Jeff no off. I had a meltdown about my nightstand and it's very important to me and I'm not gonna be able to find another one because it's from home goods so like it, oh no it's just the one I mean it's Martha Stewart brand I'm sure she made more than two and I do mean like I do think Martha herself carved my nightstand but I like couldn't figure out what I wanted my nightstand to look like and then I was crying in home goods with mom I cry a lot when mom's in town and we're decorating my apartment um I feel like I need and, to see this nightstand. Okay. Let's take a little trip, shall we? Uh, the mic is off the stand. We're moving. I will. Oh, we'll put a picture of the nightstand on the Instagram. Truly. Uh. <laughs> this is a very Blair Witch project, you with the computer. I hate that you have a mirror there. It freaks me out every time. Yeah, help it. That's my nightstand. Oh, it's nice. It's nice, right? It's got like some carved details. It's I also like, it. like it's a very nice nightstand, Allison, but it's not like if you replaced it, it'd be fine. No, I like it because it took me the longest time to figure out like what I wanted my nightstand. I thought you like. had like like some kind of like beautifully unique like anthropology nightstand or something. It's like no, a but that's wooden... what I wanted but couldn't afford. That's so like then I ended up with this and now I love it. And so anyway, I wasn't going to like go buy new nightstands, but also I guess it's nice for the gentleman that spends time at your home for him to have a place to put his, you know, water bottle and whatever else he keeps next to his, his phone, I guess. I don't know. What do men do? Anyway. He a lamp? Like what kitchen. if he wants to read? Anyway, that was so mean. He reads, but... <laughs> Poor guy. Uh, he doesn't know how. Like, what the fuck was uh, that? <laughs> he doesn't. No, but like, so I got a kitchen table and he carried it into my apartment. And for things, I put a filing cabinet there that he can use as a nightstand. Oh, it's true love. Here's a filing cabinet. He has two nightstands, but I think it's just because he like bought a, he was like deep, deep, deep bedroom set and it arrived. Fair. Yeah. Well, um, okay. I, thought about googling this today and then my day got busy or yesterday i thought about googling it and then my day got busy why do i know tavi gevinson like what's the story never heard that name before am i there she plays the daughter plays julia louis dreyfus's daughter's best friend and i swear there's some like backstory or like she looks kind of familiar although so did the girl who played james gandolfini's terrible daughter oh yeah she like got famous young because she was like a fashion blogger at 12 which one uh tabby gevinson oh she's from here she went to oak park river forest high school oprf girl although after us she young um yeah no she's 26 um she had a fashion blog called style rookie and and then it was and then she like it was kind of like a feminist not kind of it was like a feminist i've never heard of her fashiony pop culture blog oh the woman um, who plays james gandolfini's daughter is irish 
Yes. Is she the daughter of Bono? She's Bono's daughter. Nepo, baby. What's her name? Eve Hewson. Is that his name? He is his... the daughter of Paul Hewson, better known as Bono. If you, I could not, all the money in the world, I couldn't have told you Bono's real. His name is fucking Bono. What are you going to tell me now that the Edge's name is like Steve Jobs? That's not right. But you know what I mean. Like the Edge's name is the Edge. She, what was she just in? And everybody was like, it's Bono's daughter behind her eyes. I don't know what behind her eyes is. It was that like Netflix. Um... I don't know. It was like a horror Netflixy thing. TV miniseries. Okay. She probably, you know, Gwyneth Paltrow said this week that it's harder if you're, if you're a nepotism baby, it's harder because people don't think you earned it. Right. Sure. Sure. I wonder if she believes that she and uh, Haley Bieber had that conversation. Just like two nepo babies talking about how hard their life has been on the podcast. Who? Haley Bieber and Apple Peltro. No, Gwyneth Peltro. Who's her mother? I don't know. Bono's wife. Allie Hewson. There you go. She's an Irish activist. She's beautiful. I'd also be an Irish activist if I was married to Bono. I'd be like, I'm not working a day in my life. What do I care about? Activism. Irish. Activist work, Allison. (laughs) to be fair i don't know if she does but like like some of them work very hard i want to know what her activism is for i guess like bono you call him an activist so they're probably just like yeah. good people you know what i mean they're just like philanthropists she like runs live aid green she she is truly an activist she does a shit ton of stuff it looks all like. right well thank you for your work mrs houston she's also looks like has a skincare line or something i don't know she sued stella mccarthy wild wild what are you doing what are you googling what's happening just like they've been together for so long and she's basically been with him since like before he was famous and then like had to adapt to the fame it's just wild like bruce springsteen's wife yeah except like tour with him yeah she's not a musician so she doesn't go on tour with him like she gave up she was going to be a nurse and she like gave up her career to like be his wife to be fair being bono probably makes more than nursing you know <laughs> sure probably definitely. if i had to guess like <laughs> i don't know how much irish nurses are paying maybe it's better over there but my guess is <laughs> it's not anyway i don't what else do i have to say about this movie what the fuck is sherville oh sherville Sherval. At one point, Catherine Keener like is in her herb garden. She was like, "Take the Sherval. I have so much." And I was like, "What? Are we supposed to know what that means?" And in the next scene, Julia Louis Dreyfus is like, "Am I supposed to know what that means?" But nobody ever explains it, so I, I still don't know what that is. I don't know. She's and she said, "I will say, I do love the Julia Louis Dreyfus Tony Collette relationship in this movie. It's delightful. They're delightful." Yeah, I want to be part of that friend group. Just talking shit, firing maids. Your partners are Ben Falcone and James Gandolfini. The dinner parties you'd have. Yeah, truly. Um, I, I wrote four notes to... in this. I didn't. I don't write notes on good movies because I don't have anything fun. It's the problem. We can't watch good movies because I don't have anything funny to say. It's yeah. like everyone in this movie is good and it's well written. 
And maybe Carrie's never going to watch it again because it's not her cup of tea, but it's sort of like, man, we all liked it. Yeah. I'm sad I, James Gandolfini is dead. I am sad James Gandolfini is dead. All right. Anything else to say about Enough Said? No, I barely, we barely said anything at all. Half this episode is us talking about Bono. We got to watch a shitty movie next week. <laughs> um, we'll do a poll of, sh- of movies that we expect to be not great. And you can tell us which one we're going to watch. If you're on the Patreon. Okay. If you're a patron. Oh, we'll yes, that's a Patreon-only thing. Uh, you get to pick the episodes sometimes. Allison, speaking of the Patreon, where can people find us? On Instagram at hold underscore up underscore pod. On TikTok at hold up podcast, all one word. Great. Um, we got our first troll there this week. So I know. Fun. Really makes we'll me feel like trolls. you make it when someone says, Jesus fucking Christ, do your research. Oh, Okay. Oh, okay. I will. Thanks. You made my research on my opinion of this movie. <laughs> Motherfucker, you do yours. Get out of here. Um, and you can find us on Patreon where you can give us a little money and in exchange, you'll get polls, uh, bonus episodes, uh, fun content. Carrie's going to figure out a Discord server, which I keep saying every week. And she keeps cutting out of the episodes. Look, I'm not like trying to get you all to like carry make as a Discord server, um, but that'll come at some point. But yes, mostly bonus episodes. Last month we talked about Fire Island. This month we're going to do our summer book club, and we're reading Linda Holmes' book Flying Solo, which I read like a month and a half ago. So after we read, and Carrie hasn't read yet. That's good. It's cute. Real but cute. I will. Real cute little rom com book. Um, and we also watch like dumb dumb even dumber movies than you could find on Maine. um and that money goes to keeping this podcast um up and running yeah and thank you so much for listening rate review subscribe tell your friends bye stay safe bye